Dispatches of Disassociation, a collection of correspondences in a time of quarantine. As the virus continued to spread across the globe, businesses closed, some for good. Millions were without work, the death toll continued to rise, and uncertainty reigned. But the effects of the lockdown were felt in many other ways, too. A toll was taken on the mental health of everyday people, eager to enjoy the weather and to get a breath of air that wasn't filled with stale farts and pet hair. Some became defiant to their confinement, and rebelled against the authority keeping them at home, taking to the streets in protest, demanding to be allowed to freely move within the world, health and safety be damned. Others went about a more direct approach, protesting in state capitals across the nation, Screams of open for business and we want a haircut echoed across the land. Many others were, of course, anxious about income and their economic futures, but even more anxious about their health and the well-being of those around them. And so, a great debate across the country became, what was the value of a human life? And does cash, in fact, rule everything around us? As some states began to reopen, citizens were nervous. Will they be ordered to return to work and face the chance of infection? How could they refuse? What risks would there be? Would a second wave come crashing down on everyone? Anxiety was high, and questions abundant. When we last checked in with Bonnie, she had just received a letter in the mail, an archaic technology that many were unsure still existed. Alas, a paper letter fell through her door and shook up her life. Who, in this day and age, would reach out in such a manner? Perhaps the more pressing question is, why? We check back in with Bonnie as she reads this mysterious letter. Dear Bonnie, don't you think this has gone on long enough? I've tried to call. I've tried to email. Hell, I even called your mama. She promptly hung up on me when I said who it was. So now I'm writing a letter. I'm pretty sure the last letter I wrote was to Santa when I was six and really wanted the Tonka dump truck. I didn't get it. I do think it's pretty childish to block me after seven years together, since you don't even really know what happened. I asked you to come with me to Vegas, remember? It was Joby's big day, and I was going to be his best man, and there was no way I was going to miss it. I wanted you to go with me. I wanted to have the prettiest girl at the reception. But you had to work, which is fine, I guess. It hurt my feelings, though. But whatever, I guess my feelings don't matter when an important client of mine comes calling. I had no idea that Lila was friends with Joby's fiance Nicolette, but there she was third in the line of bridesmaids. When we got to the reception, she decided she was going to sit with me since we were singlets and she could keep her eye on me. For you. 
I thought it would be super fun to try to catch the thing. Uh, what do you call it? You know, the bunch of flowers. And then I would bring it home for you. It was going to be super sweet, and you'd have realized what a great time you missed. Anyway, Nicolette turned around and threw the flowers over her shoulder just as I ran into the group of women. Me and Lila reached out at the same time. One of the portlier bridesmaids fell ass over tea kettle trying to rip the flowers from my hands, which knocked me into a column. Next thing I know, I'm in the hospital. My bell was rung pretty hard, I reckon, but I don't think I was unconscious or anything. If I was, it can't have been for more than a minute or two. But when the nurse walked in, he said to Lala, Here's your husband. I'll just see to the discharge paperwork. As we were waiting, she explained it to me like this. After Nicolette threw the bouquet, that's what the bunch of flowers is called, by the way, we both caught it at the same time. We looked into each other's eyes and something magic happened. You know, I don't believe in any magic that isn't Chris Angel, so I don't know what she was talking about. But, she continued that after the catch, we went to consummate our newfound destiny in the alley behind the reception hall. Who knew that consummate means do it? Then we got very, very drunk, wandering from casino to bar to strip club, until we found ourselves in front of the Little White Chapel. In the movies, they let people get married when they're drunk all the time, but not in real life, I reckon. Anyway, according to her, we went back the next morning after more consummating, and they finally married us. I'm still not totally clear what happened, but she showed me a picture in the little cardboard frame, and there's a license, and it looks kind of like my signature, but you know I don't really write very good. And so yeah, I guess we got married. I even called the county office, and they said it was a binding wedding, and so here we are. I married to her, but I only stayed at her place because my stuff was already there, and I couldn't get a hold of you. Anyway, I want to come home. I know I messed up, and it wasn't funny. And I mean, yeah, we slept together now, but technically it wasn't cheating because she's my wife and you broke up with me. She's so damn annoying, Bonnie. I can't take it. I mean, she's hot as fuck, but she never cleans up after herself, much less me. You know, if I'm complaining about someone being messy, there's a problem. She's took my one credit card with any kind of balance left and won't stop shopping. If you don't take me back, I reckon I'll be fine or whatever. But I'd prefer you did. I miss how simple our life was. It was safe. There were no surprises. Seriously, though, we were happy, right? I know we were. I know I complained a lot and wasn't the best boyfriend and I wasn't exactly nice to your cat. But we were happy. I know we were. You, me, and Muffin. Anyway, please call me or text me or email me or shit, send me a letter. This has gone on long enough. I want to come home. And I'm sure you deep down want me to come home too. Everybody makes mistakes, so this doesn't have to be an end to us. I love you, Bonnie. Please let me come home. Yours forever, Wade. I know it goes against the narrator's code of impartiality, but Wade seems a bit... clueless? If I were in Bonnie's shoes, there's no chance in narrator's hell that I'd entertain his request. <clears throat> Apologies. Allow me to step back behind the fourth wall. After this startling letter, Bonnie was desperate to reach out to Vance and vent about these developments. Bonnie was now past the point of being cordial, and the stories of Vance's inconsiderate co-workers were 
the cherry on top of an emotionally charged couple of days. She had quite a lot to get off her chest, and she took aim at all those who had riled her up in her next letter. Dear Vance, I am so angry. I could kill him. I want to kill him. I'm so violently angry. I could kill her even more because she preyed on a very stupid man. But I could kill him for being so stupid. I want to take them both and beat them to a bloody pulp with a baseball bat so that they can hurt as much as they hurt me. And then I want to rip off his scrotum and fashion it into a bow tie around her neck. No. Dear Vance, I hope this email finds you well. I do so look forward to the little chime on my phone telling me I got an email from you in between the billion dollar companies telling me they are with me in this troubling time and how they want me, a low income single woman, to donate to their employees who they don't bother to pay enough anyway while they sit in their big fancy mansions. I'm feeling very much not a capitalist these days and then I get my just shipped email from Amazon and I'm back to my old self. Your emails almost give me the same thrill as those. Let's see what's on the way this week. See a charcoal toothbrush, a clay face mask, a cotton face mask, a caftan, and some nail polish. I'm turning into one of those real housewife women. Not a thing to do but wear stupid clothes that I wouldn't dare wear in public and be leisurely. I also ended up buying one of those bidet things. I can't even seem to get toilet paper off Amazon, so now that I'm down to my last six-pack, I may as well try to make them last a little bit longer. I am sorry that your co-workers are so rude. Curious to know exactly what they're saying. Promise I'm hard to offend, if you do feel comfortable sharing. Also, I'm somewhat of a prankster myself. I would be happy to offer my suggestions. Depending on how angry you are, you could do the old standby of putting tape over his mouth, or you could be a little more sneaky and tape a can of Axe spray under his chair so that when he sits down, it pushes on the sprayer and fills the room with the smell of desperation. Or if you can get into his computer, hit Control-Alt-F1, and it will allow you to flip his screen by hitting Control-Alt-Down. He won't have any idea what's going on, and he won't know how to fix it. I suppose that is a little childish, but sometimes that's the only way to get through to people. Like best friends who marry your significant others. Well, speaking of which, I got a letter from Wade, who I told you about last week. He's apparently sorry, but not sorry enough in my opinion, and wants to come home. I don't think I want that to happen. I don't even know anything anymore. I'd love to hear what you'd actually do in my place. I imagine your way of revenge is a little less violent than what I've been thinking. Anyway, try out those pranks if you're so inclined. Let me know how it goes. Also, since I was such a gracious hostess when you came to Austin, I'm curious. If ever I do come to visit you, what would our date be like? Allow me some silver lining to this very big old rain cloud. Yours, Bonnie. While Bonnie deals with renewed interest from a former beau and total jackass, Vance has been, well... Journaling? It's unclear what category his rambling screed would fall under. But settle in once again as we take another look into the mind of a man lost in quarantine. Sunday, 29 March. 
After no sleep Thursday or Friday, I was finally able to close my eyes and fall asleep sometime around 9 or 10 Saturday night, only to be awakened just after midnight by the metallic sounds of a voice over a loudspeaker and the flashing red and blue of police lights blazing through my windows. No chance of going back to sleep, I fear. So, I put on some coffee and stepped outside to have a smoke and listen in on the goings-on. There's a helicopter in the air with a searchlight, because of course there is. It's that kind of town. Apparently, the teenagers that live across the street were feeling claustrophobic and needed to blow off some steam. They're out there yelling at the cop about First Amendment and freedom and liberty. Now, mind you, these are white male children of well-to-do families. Oppressed, they are not. The fact that the kids are still here and haven't scampered off in five different directions pretty much says all you need to know about privilege. The comically muscled sheriff's deputy in the two-tailored, skin-tight uniform shirt under more body armor with more doodads hanging from it than most actual soldiers wear into actual combat had a decidedly different take on what constitutes a peaceable assembly. Now, in this instance, I might have to side with law enforcement. Putting aside the stay-at-home orders and the county requirements for all people to wear masks when in public, an impromptu drifting challenge in the Walmart parking lot does not exactly sound peaceable at all. The deputy has called in backup. It would seem that he intends to take them all in. He's screaming directions now. He wants them to sit on the curb. Instead, they are standing in a half-circle facing him, daring him, as it were, to do something. One has his phone out, recording the confrontation. One is on the phone calling someone. And now, one of the kids just spit in the deputy's face, screaming, Here's some corona for you, Gestapo man. Just as two more overzealous deputies come into the neighborhood, full lights and sirens. Did I mention it's not even one in the morning? Spitter kids on the ground now convulsing in the style that can only mean he's been tased. The rest of the kids are screaming, and it's hard to say in the weird flashing lights, but it appears one may have wet his pants. Poor little fella. I've had enough of this entertainment. My coffee's probably ready, and I might as well start watching television. Monday, 30th March. Bonnie. Except for a brief discussion... With the sheriff regarding the goings-on earlier yesterday morning, I spent the better part of Sunday reading. Unfortunately, one of those neighbor kids saw the glow from my cigarette and identified me as a potential witness to, quote, police brutality, end quote. I told it like I saw it, but I didn't see the actual moment Spitter Kid was tased as I was staring at the other cops arriving like Starsky and Hutch on a primetime television show. Now, I must admit, I woke today angry at the world and everything in it. If last week my mood were dark, this week has started off into black. The blackest black, which reflects no light at all and removes any hope of discerning contours from an object. Now, when I'm feeling this way, I try even harder to stay away from the idiots at work. It seems so damned melodramatic to write it but I'm not sure how I would respond if they push my buttons on days like today. However, 
my best efforts were for naught, as there they were gathered around the coffee maker, talking vile trash about one of the new hires on the floor. And before I could get my earbuds in and start the latest episode of Assorted Goods, I heard one of them say, quote, I can't believe they'd hire someone that looks like that to be a technician. No one that pretty is going to be able to fix a thing. What's going to happen the first time she breaks a nail? I considered pouring the pot of coffee in his lap, but then I've had enough of police for now. I swear I started the same database entry four or five times before giving up and writing this little piece and going on home for the day. Tuesday, 31st March. Now, I'd like to report that that special tone I've assigned to your messages has drawn me out of the well of darkness I've been in, but that would be a lie. The arrival of your message, however, did give me something to do besides staring up at the ceiling imagining the end of the lockdown. There's a place I know far out in the desert, easily reached without too much fuss. All you need is a truck with the right tires, plenty of gas, and whatever you'll need while you're there. A sleeping bag, a cooler, guns. Now, when you're out there, it feels like you are all alone upon this earth, nothing but the stars above, not a sound to be heard but your own breath. One could get away with anything out there, and no one would be the wiser. It's where I'd like to take you. Perhaps the third or fourth day of your visit. I hope it's okay to say that if this pandemic ever goes away and we are free to pursue a normal life, and if you are still interested in visiting, we'd spend the first couple days of your visit getting reacquainted. Now, if you want more details in that regard, you'll have to ask very nicely. After those days getting reacquainted, we can do the touristy things, if you'd like. There are a number of notable restaurants in the area. Hell, we could even take the Top Gun tour and visit the few sites that are left. After all of that were over, we could venture out to the desert and explore. Now, I may have massaged the truth just a bit last week when I said a friend who went behind my back wouldn't suffer physically. If I were to face a Wade Lila situation, I can imagine another scenario play out in that very same spot in the desert. Of course, it wouldn't be quite so quiet as their screams of anguish would echo off the canyon walls and carry for miles and miles. I could imagine no better feeling than watching the filthy dog grovel for mercy as the windswept sand entered the many open cuts across all parts of his body. <sighs> anyway, let's just say that I have a few well-scripted plans of action in the event that anyone slights me so egregiously. Now, since you've asked... And assuming you don't want to actually cause grievous bodily harm, if I were you, I'd explain to Wade in no uncertain terms that you have no intentions of welcoming him back into your life or into your home. Explain that you have moved on and could never, ever take him back after he's destroyed your trust. Tell him you've found someone who has done things that he could never do. 
And if he persists, you could always invite him on a getaway to the desert. <laughs> I just. <sighs> you know, I feel much better than I did when this day started. It's amazing the catharsis one can experience when writing. Now, regarding the jackass misogynist who thought it would be funny to pull the very same tape on the mouse trick that you mentioned, I don't like to engage in petty nonsense like that, especially with him. It just feeds his undersized brain and asks for more back and forth. Instead, I'd rather end it before it begins. So, I decided to go with something much bigger. Now, there's a trick I learned as a juvenile delinquent, which results in a valve stem being ripped off of a tire as the car is driven away from its parking spot. It's like a time delay kind of a thing, and if done properly, there's no evidence that it was sabotage. Normally, you'd only do this to one tire, which makes for a mild inconvenience. I set up all four yesterday when I left early. Now, now that I think of it, I haven't seen misogynist Mike all day. Now, he is very proud to tell everyone far and wide he never misses a day at work because, quote, having all of this young tail to stare at is basically free porn, unquote. You see why I want to strangle him sometimes? I agree with you 100% regarding the billionaires and their companies. I think I am most offended, though, by the actors who are normal everyday people like you and me and they're also finding it difficult to be cooped up in their homes just like you and me how dare they compare the lives they lead to the working class folk who were living hand to mouth or slightly better before all this started those folks who want desperately to go to work but also need the assurances that they're safe Please, some of these actors and other famous asshats have acres upon acres and huge houses to wander and explore. Bank accounts with more zeros than most people have dollars so that they could buy whatever they wanted. And they have the audacity to compare themselves to the common man? Now, I don't begrudge their wealth. I'd love to have that problem. I just despise their bullshit. It is getting to be that time of day when I should close and attempt to create some amount of work product to justify my existence and the paycheck. Uh, I must admit, I'm still amazed at how much I get paid for doing so little. Still grateful you swiped right. Yours in this weird pandemic. Vance. P.S. If I have one regret about our time together that night, it is that I did not take any pictures. It sure would be nice to be able to look at your face as I read your words. Has Vance revealed a little too much about himself? Will Bonnie cut all ties to Wade and Vance? Was the spark strong enough to keep an ember burning through this dreadfully long separation? And we still don't know what the hell happened on that first date in Austin. I guess we'll simply have to find out next time on Dispatches 
of disassociation. Dispatches of disassociation can be found on Twitter at ddisassociation. Follow along to get the latest updates from the show and notifications when a new episode drops. Make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a generous rating and review. Thank you for your listening. Until next time.